Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. All right, you guys, happy Monday. I almost said happy Tuesday, Bump. I was already jumping ahead. I was getting too excited for the week to start, but we have plenty to talk about to make me very excited. We've got Mariners. We're going to open with that, and we've got Larry Stone joining us from spring training. He's on his way to one of the games in about an hour. Uh, We're going to talk the draft and some Pac-12 stuff with Bruce Feldman coming up at noon. Kaylin Kaler, one of the three writers of that Russell Wilson column, Mm. she's going to join us at one. We're going to talk not just about Russ, but also about just like what what happens in fractured locker rooms? What happens when a player or a team struggles? Really fascinating conversation. First, how was your weekend? Get into anything fun? It was good. Um, I went to my son's basketball games Saturday and Sunday, and then took him to a tryout on Sunday. Sunday night, he got home late. Yeah. Left this morning. He was still in bed, so I let him live because it was a late <laughs> night for my guy. But, you know, I just want to point out that I have an iPad. Oh, I have an and iPad. And all of a sudden, you show up with yeah. an iPad. So, yeah. I know. It's We've true. all got an iPad. We've all got I an iPad it. now. No, I really, it was, I saw you and you take, so Bump is um, a religious note taker, so that you guys know. Like, when we do phone interviews, um, I mean, just when we have conversations, anything, Bump is constantly, constantly taking notes. He's very, very prepared. You guys don't always see the behind the scenes. But, um I always see it and I always get a little jealous, you know, because it's but you have, your, so you have cool. your book. I like your book. I have a notebook, yeah. but I decided to go high tech today. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm getting into 2023. New year, new me. <laughs> it's a, it's the world is advancing. OK, robots and such. And I decided to to bring in my iPad today. So I'm very excited. I got a lot of notes gonna, on it. In fact, about spring training. Today. I feel it. You're going to kill you. it. I feel really, really ready for this. In fact, let's go ahead and get into it. Stacey doesn't have an Apple Pencil. As a designer. Curtis, did we, designer? Like, was that a necessary part of the open? Of the, like, we are, what is it? We are three leg. minutes and nine seconds into the show. Did we really need to talk about how I didn't buy, I didn't shell out and buy an Apple Pencil? Yeah, because it was $118. <laughs> or I could get one for $20, and it only skips sometimes. <laughs> every, like, you know, listen, I was writing my notes. Every, like, fourth word, I have to backspace and, like, undo it because it'll skip and mess up. I just don't know that that was necessary for the open. And I'm trying to have a beautiful, fun Monday. Curtis, how was your weekend, by the way? Do you see that's a nice thing to, d- well, to thank say? You. You're uh, welcome. We spent it coughing the entire weekend. Oh, yeah, at the you Rogers guys were under the weather. Yeah, all that's three of bad. us. It was bad. Well, mine was we're great. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Cactus League opening weekend. Not that the scores matter, but the Mariners came away uh, with a win from Friday's game, fell behind with the Angels on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Kansas City took it 8-7. Uh, again, we don't care about scores. What we care is about what happened. And let's start with maybe the best news to come out of the weekend. Jared Kelnick homers twice. Twice. Uh, these were home runs of 428 and 438 feet. Exit Vila 113 and 107. I mean, these were big home runs uh really really great play it is we are three games in to cactus league play it is way too early to say jared kelnick has figured this out he's got it he's say he's gonna save the season we figured it out but bump if i only have three days to go off of i sure feel good about this weekend i do i feel good about it and most importantly because of jared kelnick i heard in the morning show do not call him jk he does not care for jk so if you're one of those is people because he doesn't want to be associated with jk rolling i don't know I don't know what it is, but the man doesn't like <laughs> it, so you do not call him that. 
But no, that's, those are one of the things that you want to see. Does it mean that he has it all figured out and he's going to be great? No, but if he were to go out there and go over, we'd be talking about that, mm-hmm. um, our first topic as well. So it was nice. The What I love about it was the exit velo. That means he's yeah. hitting the ball harder. He's not slapping it out there. I saw... Um, uh, Gino get on base, slapping one out to right field. No, he is squaring that thing up, and it sounds like he's changed his approach and he's calming himself down. He called it winning every pitch. Did you guys see that? Like he said yeah. it like four times in one response. I think I saw it in Shannon's column. I think that he also spoke with reporters, and they were like, "Hey, so what went well? You know, tell us about today." And he just said, "I'm focused on winning every pitch, winning every pitch." Like it's clear he has like a motto yeah. this season. And hey. It sounds like it's working for him so far, so I'm very okay with that. Yeah, that's something his trainer, him and his trainer, guarantee Because now he didn't go back home to Wisconsin. He spent some time in California and Arizona. He had to change something up. So he goes down, and um, those are certain things that you do. Like as a receiver, as a receiver trainer, nose over toes. Feel the weight movement. There are, there are key things that you want to tell your athlete just to remind them of things. And it's all about feel. It's about the mental approach. So, yeah, I like it, man. He's starting good starting to Cactus League. Let's see how, how he keeps it rolling. Well, and also, I mean, we might get into this a little bit at uh, 1045. So I'm just I'll tell you guys how we're plotting out the first hour here. We're going to talk a little bit of of, uh, of Russ and NFL at 1030 because uh, we're going to get back to it later with the author of that column. So not a ton on that, but we do have a little bit at 1030. Then we're going to jump into the most important Mariners. I don't know that Jared Kelnick tops my list, but one thing I wanted to make sure we talked about to start is just how great this season could be, how different a team we could be talking about if he ends up not even like meeting expectations, being a good hitter. (laughs) You don't have to be an an all-star. Just if he's good, right, that would be a big jump from last year if he's good. And that's the thing. He doesn't have to be good every day. I mean, no. before Tramel got hurt, you know, you're going to have three guys platooning out there, him, AJ, and uh, and Tramel. So he doesn't have to be good every day. He just has to be yeah. consistent in some way. Get on base, make things happen, yep. and have fun doing it. Man, I want to see him crack a smile or two, but if that's not his approach, that's yep. not his approach. So I think having AJ over is a good move. During the time when they made the move for AJ, we're like, ah, what are you doing? And we'll see what happens. But with Tramel going down, with the uncertainty with Jared Kelnick and how he's going to perform, AJ, I would hope, takes some pressure off of Jared Kelnick yeah. and allows him to remain in this zone he's in with this yeah. approach one pitch at a Time. Last thing on uh, Jared Kalnick, Kevin and Lake Stevens texting in any of those breaking balls. I don't actually know. I assume based only on exit velo uh, that they weren't. Curtis, do you know offhand if those were breaking balls on any of those I home runs he had? Don't I don't know. Think they were. I'll double check. We've uh, got Larry Stone. Yeah. All right. Um, let's uh, move on to a couple other notes here. Bump. I know you have some. I wanted to quickly talk about Teoscar Hernandez. He was a scratch on Sunday with a sore back. Service not too concerned. He could be in the lineup today. The lineup might already be out. That game's in like two hours. But I'll double check that. Either way, uh, I know some people are worried about Cal not having played yet and Tay Oscar having been scratched, but it doesn't sound like either is a concern. In fact, Cal's expected to play tomorrow. Yeah. Um, we talked to service or we, we listened to service and DePoto. They're not stressed about Cal. So that's good. Um, as far as Tasker Hernandez, he squared one up the other day. You'd be cautious with a 32 year old man. You feel any type of tweak. 
um, in your back, then you're going to have him sit down and take his time. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right now, you're not going to see these starters every single day. Honestly, I'm surprised that uh, we're going to see Julio today. I think I'm here. We're going to hear see Julio today. Uh, they're going to be sporadic. They're going to be spot. You want to see these other guys. You know, we saw Marlo the other day. I saw Harry Ford um, the other day. Yes, spring training, you want to see your dogs out there. Mm-hmm. But the lineup is set. Ain't nothing changing unless no. someone gets hurt, knock on wood. You want to see some of these young guys get after it. Um, so, no, no stress. Everything's good. Uh, I've never actually heard Harry Ford talk, but knowing that he played for Great Britain, every time you say Harry Ford, I want to go, Harry Ford. <laughs> Harry? <laughs> Harry. I think you mean Harry Ford. I don't think he has an accent, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I know you have some notes. Before I get to some other stuff, do you have some stuff that you took away from Cactus League opening weekend? Man, the only thing that concerned me was Marco. Mm. You know, he had a tough Fair. outing, two innings, I believe, what, four hits, five runs, yeah. something like yeah. that. It just didn't didn't look good. But if we know anything about Marco, he is going to battle back. He's a competitor. Yes. That's the first thing people say when they describe Marco. So, yeah, other than, you know, Jared Kelling having a good a good day, we saw Marco struggle a little bit. We'll see how he bounces back. Yeah. Um, we saw Robbie Ray. He looked good for, what, an inning or two that he was out there. We saw some of the youngsters. It was nice just to uh, to see and hear baseball. You got the Reds out there. Sold out game, I believe, the first game against the uh, the Angels. About three or 4,000 people out there. It's just that time of the year to get back into this. Oh, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about here. Let's spend a couple minutes on it. Obviously, we got our first uh, experience of what games would be like with the pitch clock. Very oh, interesting yeah. to me, you guys, that some of the violations were by hitters and not actually by pitchers. In fact, the first violation, uh, Manny Machado, mm-hmm. obviously that spring training uh, opener for the Mariners against Does the Does he Padres. get like a plaque for that? The very mm, first. It's not, a, it's not an in season. Uh, it's, it's Cactus League. Yeah. But. Well, I think we save it for the regular season, but he's the front runner yeah. so far. Yeah. I'd just do it again if I were him. Like, let's yeah, just... just like I want to go down in the history books as first <laughs> pitch clock violation. Remember when... Uh... Hector Santiago was the first uh, foreign substance suspension by Major League Baseball when the when he was pitching for the Mariners. That's kind of what this feels like. Oh my uh, God! Where <laughs> yeah, it took me a minute like, to remember How, that. This is a conspiracy. They like, They're targeting Hector Santiago. And he became a fan How, favorite. How and people dare were like, How, But then he got suspended he for like uh, PEDs. Yeah, but in the season. More, but you know, that's yeah. that's not that's, important. Your, that's neither here nor there. That part of it's not important. I do remember that, and you were like, "This guy." I mean, no offense to Hector Santiago, but I think we were all looking at like thinking it was going to be Garrett Mariner Cole. <laughs> yeah, Mariners legend Hector Santiago. Um, but no, you have so I'm. Spreading um, some of these takeaways outside of uh, not just the Mariners, but the Cactus League right now. Great for your league opener between the Braves and Red Sox. We're going to get to it in the timeline. But that game ended with a pitch clock violation yeah. again by the hitter. Man, I was I'm staring down the clock. I'm, yeah. I'm watching it when the M's played on Friday. I am staring down that clock. And, and we learned that. Did you that, feel anxious? I did, just a little bit. I just did a too. little bit. Went for our guys, for the guys, not yeah. so much. But um, what we did learn, too, is that they're going to stop the clock as soon as the pitcher starts, like his throwing motion, right? He starts to get up in his windup and all that. One of my questions were okay, is it, does the ball have to be released out of his hand mm-hmm. before it hits zeros? But we figured that out as well. And I was talking to Curtis in the sports pit. It's, it's going to be fun to see just 
how these umps just lay the law down. There's no room for error. We're not going to bend the rule a little bit. It is what it is Mm -hmm. just to get these guys used to it. It's different, man. They never experienced anything like this. Uh, Again, the Mariners are going to have spring training games uh, this week. Obviously, I believe the only one we're carrying live is going to be on Friday. Correct. Uh, That game is going to be, I don't know, like noon or Uh, 12-10. Yeah, I believe it's 12-10 first pitch. You can catch all of them uh, tape delayed following Lyman and Bob. Exactly. So if anyone was tuning in, you know, wanting to hear that, That's going to be after Wyman and Bob. Obviously, though, you can see updates on seattlesports.com or from Shannon Dreyer at Shannon Dreyer. Um, Yeah, it's just so far so good. It's really, really early. Um, I think that there's only so much you can take from this time of the season. And the only thing to take from it so far for me is, does Jared Kelnick look good? Are guys staying healthy? And so far, the answer is yes. I mean, a sore back for Tay Oscar, but I'm not too concerned about that because Scott doesn't seem too concerned. No. Nah, he's 32. Got kids. Maybe slept wrong. You said 32 with like like some accusations. Well, you just said in your 30s. <laughs> hey, I'm <laughs> I'm the oldest person here. You know what I'm saying? If anybody felt, can relate, it's your boy. 37 <laughs> wow, of the Wow, how dare you? How dare you? Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, stay on Jared Kelnick just for a couple more minutes here, right? This is the biggest story. Um, again, coming up at 1045, outside of Julio, who is the most important Mariner to this team? Maybe your answer is Jared. Maybe it's not. But let's figure out some of what Jared had to say about his week. Um, this is uh, him talking about just being able to stay in the middle of the field. Uh, good. I think anytime we stay in the middle of the field, good things happen. So the fact that hit three balls in the middle of the field today is a good sign. And then when I mentioned that his motto seems to be win the pitch and win that battle, here's where that comes from. Yeah, you know, it's I'm trying to have a mindset of it doesn't matter what the count is. I'm just trying to seriously take it one pitch at a time um, and then trying to flush the rest. Uh, So, like, it's helping me with situations like that so that the thought of having two strikes doesn't become overwhelming and just trying to win that pitch, you know? I really, really, really hope that it stays that way because, again, we've talked about it a million times, Bump. It seems like so much of what it is for Jared Kelnick is Jared Kelnick and not what he can do as a player, but like him kind of creating his own mental hurdles, which is not unique to him. And it's not a bad thing. It's just something you need to overcome if you're going to be great. And he's working on it. With him, he mentioned not having things become overwhelming. And as consumers, as analysts, we watch it as fans. We see things become overwhelming from like body language, yeah. um, the how tense he is with the bat in his hand. So it was nice. Half the battle was recognizing what's messing you up as an athlete, and then having the courage to to address it, whether it be privately or publicly, and and attack it. So it sounds like he has a plan. Now the the key is going to be. Sticking to the plan when you do get overwhelmed because you're not going to be um, completely perfect throughout this process trying to change your game and your mentality. But uh, so far, so good. Question for both of you guys, actually. I don't know that I fell this way, but a listener comment from JD in the 509 talking about the pitch clock. I did not like it. It just doesn't feel like baseball. Did it feel like not baseball to you guys or drastically different? It felt like baseball. It just felt like a hurried up version. And I don't know if 15 is is the right number. Uh, maybe 20 is a little more of a sweeter spot because at times it just kind of felt like guys were getting the ball and throwing it, not having any time yeah. to get set or or what have you. Um, I'm not opposed to it at all. I think this is a good thing for baseball, especially, uh, you know, people just don't have the time anymore to dedicate to three and a half, four hour games. Uh, two and a half, three hours, I think is a lot more doable. And I mean, looking at 
a lot of the start times for the Mariners home games this year, a lot of them are going to be six forty. Yeah, uh, that means games are going to be ending at like nine nine thirty, which is pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet, especially for kids on a school night. Yeah, it's or people different. who, as it's, you pointed out, are watching. It's just different, you know, and it's it's not going to feel right because for so long the game has been played a certain way. We're the first human beings to look at the game being yeah. played this way. So yeah, it's going to feel different for me. I, I was anxious. I'm with Curtis. Maybe three to four or five more seconds, but these guys are going to adjust. And just like they got to adjust, we got to adjust too. That's right. All right, let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. Headline number one. The Chicago Bears are leaning towards moving the number one pick in the NFL draft. Those reports surfacing this morning. What's the real headline? It's a significant upgrade over leaning toward moving Justin Fields. Bump, you hated that idea. You were getting fired up about it on Friday. So fired up. This is way more better. Chicago, way more better. You keep Fields. You uh, move that pick to get more picks, to get more weapons to help this guy out. That's how you build a franchise. Not going for the next best thing every single year or two years in a row, I should say, two and a half years. But, uh, yeah, I like this approach a lot better. I think Justin Fields has something in him. He needs to be coached up. He needs some help. You go get that in the draft. Well, and also, can you really look at Justin Fields and say, yeah, we got to move on from him. He's the problem when you gave him, like, no receivers and a horrible defense. Nobody. (laughs) Right? He had nobody. And it was uh, it was really surprising. Uh, I'm mostly curious to see what this means because the Texans obviously have their eye on a quarterback. Everyone has mocked Bryce Young to them. If another team swaps up that isn't the Texans, I'm guessing they're doing so for Bryce Young. Does that mean there's a run on quarterbacks after that? And what does it mean for the defensive players that could fall to Seattle? If you are a Seahawks fan, I think you're hoping Chicago trades this one trade and everybody make a run go get bryce go yeah. get cj go get, go get will get everyone make that happen if that yeah. happens will anderson or carter is going to fall into our laps and i'm feeling way more better if jalen carter falls to five come on i will jump into lake union will you you said it. Uh, yes. You said it. Wow. We need you to get you some floaties or something, I just, though. I gotta, I'm a great swimmer. What do you mean floaties? Make sure you're good, In man. case I, like, go into shock. It's cold, it's so yeah. cold. He's not falling to five. But Will Anderson <laughs> might. Curtis, what's next? Headline rewrites. Headline number two. An absurd performance oh, from Damian God. Lillard last night. 71 points. Table spread out on the sideline to get the rock. High dribble into the lane, running right-hander up and in. Damian Lillard with that runner. 71 points, a career high. Love hearing Kevin Calabro on mm-hmm. the call. What is the real headline? Congrats to Dame, who now knows what it'll take for his team to win a title. Ah, Dame. Just do that again. Dame you know what Dollar. I mean? How hard can it be? Come on. Just someone else. Donovan did it. Well, only <laughs> only three other players in NBA history have scored more points than that in a game? Yeah, I didn't say you need more than 71. Dame, you just got to go score 71 again. <laughs> go get your 71. Uh, big ups to Jordan Babineau. He was sidelined. If you know big play Babs, he's going to be somewhere very important doing something. So big up Babs. But let me put this in perspective for you. All right, Lillard is the only player in NBA history to have a game with 60 points and 10 plus threes. In February, he's averaging 40 points a game. Since January, he scored 880 points. The next closest dude is Jalen Brunson. He has 687. Most 60-point games in the last five seasons, Lillard has five. Harden has three. Last one I got for you. Lillard has more 60-point games than 
Curry, James O'Neal, Bird, Magic Duncan, Bill Russell, Russell, and Kevin Durant combined. This dude, they thought he was done. He said, don't forget about me. Now just get this man a team so he can actually win some right. important games. He did have uh, in his post game. I don't know if it was a post game for this, but he was asked basically, uh, you know, like, hey, how do you feel? And he said that after having surgery, he feels like he's, I think he said like 27 again. Like he's like, I feel years younger. That's what's up. Looks like it. Headline rewrites. Headline number three. The Rams have had trade talks involving Jalen Ramsey, and he's expected to be dealt soon, according to the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. What's the real headline? Question, is he willing to play for free? Because if so, (laughs) Jalen, have I got a team for you? No, it ain't going to be for free. It ain't going to be for cheap, neither. A team that I keep seeing pop up, um, the Carolina Panthers, is a few scenarios. You a straight-up pick, they get the 39th pick, the Rams, and they get Jalen. Or scenario two, the Rams get the 61st overall pick, and then 132. Panthers get 237. The third one, which I think is probably most likely if they were to go to the Panthers, Panthers get a 2024 first-round pick. Um... And then the 2023 247th pick. The Rams need draft capital. Mm-hmm. So if you can throw some some draft picks at them, and whether it be now for the future, and they're looking for a number one draft pick, but with Jalen being 28 years old, he's still one of the best of the game, it's going to be tough to get a draft pick, a first round draft pick for this year, probably down the line. So I look at this scenario. If you can offer them a 2024 first round draft pick and something else on top, you might be in the business. I'm keeping my eye on the Panthers. You know, that's my sleeper team for this offseason. I've been talking about I just, it. I want you guys to know if the Panthers do well, Bump has been talking about them since like December yeah. as like a team that if they find a quarterback in like one or two pieces could take the NFC South. Uh, well, now I'm watching them closely, but I think um, with Jalen Ramsey, it, it, part of it's uh, cap space too. the Rams. I don't know what it'll be without Bobby on the books, but uh, prior to whatever they're going to do with Bobby, which uh, hasn't become official, uh, they're 14 million over. Now there are plenty of teams that are over. Everyone's going to make moves mm-hmm. and do things to get under the cap. They have plenty of time, but the Rams gambled, it paid off, and now they're dealing with the consequences of it. Like, yep. you can hate them if you're someone that's like, oh, I wouldn't have done it, but they got a Super Bowl out of it. Man, they gamble, they got a ring, Yeah. then they got hurt. It is what it is. And now they're trying to find a way to dig themselves out of this hole that they created. Yeah. But end of the day, it's all about, what, winning championships, and they did exactly that. They're in rebuild mode, but most teams are at this point of the year. How many teams can just say, all right, let's run this thing back? Not too many. I say I give about four or five teams a year that are just set. But um, Rams, let's see what they do with this. Uh, Curtis, you've been a request in from the 206 to save that sound so that it's handy when needed. Stacy just may be jumping into Lake Union. We're not talking about gently walking into the water. We're talking about, no, like like Ariel. We're talking about her jumping into the water. I am telling you guys. Yeah, sure. Wow. Uh, from just like a dock or from pretty high? Not from pretty high. I might die. <laughs> I mean, there are docks you can walk to, like just a couple blocks. Should away. I do that thing of like, um, what's his name? Tommen from uh, uh, Game of Thrones. Like I just walk up and just kind of fall forward yeah. into the water. I just, uh, it's not happening. No, I will gladly do it. If Jalen Carter falls to number five and the right. Seahawks are able to take him, I will do that either. with a smile on my face. I'm confident saying that it's not going to happen, though. Yeah, I'm confident. Unfortunately. As well.
asking. Thank you for backing me up. Uh, all right, we're going to get back to the Mariners at 1045, talking about the most important Mariner outside of Julio. Larry Stone is going to join us at 11 for updates from spring training. So lots of spring training stuff coming your way. That said, then, we're going to take a little tiny break from spring training to talk about Russell Wilson. I know Russell Wilson isn't here in Seattle, and if you're a Hawks fan, you're probably thinking, why are we still talking about him? Because there's a really interesting angle to the PR war he had with the Seahawks. And I'm curious to see what you guys think about it. That's next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Rost. Interesting take on this one. Uh, Curtis, this was actually from you in our uh, show emails. We were all talking about uh, and have been talking about that. This one better be good. Russell Wilson bombshell article. And I know, I know, Bump, that there are some people out there that are like, stop talking about Russell Wilson. I'm sorry. This is a fascinating story. Like, I don't get this is one of the biggest stories in sports right now for a really good reason. A player who looked like an MVP candidate through much of his career, but especially at the beginning of 2020, took a nosedive over the better part of two years and suddenly is like a laughingstock in Denver. I think and hope for him he can turn it around. Seattle was the benefit of that struggle with now the number five overall draft pick. But the real moral of the story to me is about a power struggle. And you could take Russell Wilson's name out and plant in anyone else. And the same thing would be true, which is when there is a fracture, a power struggle, hubris, anything at play like that, uh, you're going to see the outcome and consequence on the field, on the court, wherever. Curtis, you said that Russ took the NBA route to his uh, kind of like his battle power battle with the Seahawks. Yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of like how LeBron has kind of gone about things when in Cleveland he got David Blatt fired. Uh, they brought in Ty Lue. They ended up winning a championship. Uh, and then we've seen LeBron get other coaches uh, fired along the way. Who was the head coach for the Lakers prior to this season, uh, Bump? It was uh, Frank Vogel. Yes. Yeah. Vogel. So Vogel got fired, too. <laughs> Even after winning a championship, uh, they bring in LeBron's guy, Darvin Ham. And then we've seen Kevin Durant go this path. Uh, getting Kenny Atkinson fired in Brooklyn, and then also Steve Nash getting fired this season. And then ultimately, Kevin Durant just finds his way out of Brooklyn, getting traded to Phoenix after all that. Uh, it, it reminded me so much of those superstars kind of throwing their weight around and being like, well, you're not going to have it any better than me. So clearly, you're going to prioritize me over this guy who's calling the shots. Bump, is that how you saw it too? Um. Well, let me say hubris. I had to look that up. Never heard that word until today. I love that word. I use it too much. Excessive pride or Mm self-confidence. Okay, that's what that means. Um, Yes, I see it exactly how Curtis sees it. Here's the thing about all those players, the Katies, the LeBrons. This is basketball. One person can take a game over. Dame Dollar just scored 71 points and won that game by himself. So you have a bit more say because you directly affect the game. Now, quarterbacks directly affect the game as Mm -hmm. well. They have the most responsibility. They hold the football the most. But you are not dominating a game all by yourself. You need your lineman to block. You need everyone to help. You need the right play to be called. You need a great week of practice. In basketball, they don't even practice. You know what they do? Shoot around. (laughs) You know, shoot around for this game, man. Make sure we're nice and loose and ready to go. Maybe I might Mm -hmm. point out some X's and O's every now and then. But for the most part, give the ball to KD. Give the ball to LeBron. You guys get open and let them do, do their thing. In football, it don't work like that. Unless you are Mr. Tom Brady. 
the guy who has won seven yeah. Super Bowls, the guy who has nothing but success over 20 plus years in the league. That's the one person that I can look at and say, if there's anyone who has the power to do that, the resume to back mm-hmm. all that up. It is that man right there. And Tom Brady, Russ just isn't that. Now, could athletics be shifting to a place where players have more control? I think it is. I think we see it in all sports, especially in basketball. And we might be getting there in football. But because there's so many moving mm-hmm. pieces on a football team, it's hard and not wise to give a man that much power. Well, and uh, yeah, no one man should have that much power. Exactly. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. But uh, you're right. It's it, You can use it to different extents based on the sport. The nature of basketball is such that one player can have that much power and yeah. an outsized impact. The nature of football is the opposite. That's a great point. I I think what I'll add, too, is I think Russell Wilson was looking at some of the public discourse that was happening around Pete Carroll. And we have kind of a selective memory about this, I've noticed. I use Royal We uh, here in Seattle. I was working in sports radio uh, and was covering the Seahawks in 2017, 2018, 2019. And I remember the conversations that we're having having about Pete Carroll. I remember texting a friend who... Uh, you know, was a Seahawks fan at the time. And this person being like, why are people calling for Pete Carroll's job? Like, this is this is lame. And I was like, yeah, I I don't know. I don't get it. And I had been critical about Carroll. But Mm -hmm. like there was a a large group of NFL voices, national and local, that were like, you're wasting Russell Wilson. And we all get selective memory because of Russell Wilson's downfall that we're like, no, everyone had faith in Pete and John. No, Pete and John faced a lot of criticism. And stuck there through a lot of hate and a lot of questioning. And I think that Russell Wilson saw that, right, after 2018, after that wild card game and in 2019. And he thought, well, the public's going to be on my side. Mm-hmm. Like, here's national voices that are talking about how I'm being wasted. And here's, you know, big names in sports and local people that are tweeting about how our offensive line is so bad and how they're wasting me and, and how I'm so underrated and how this team needs to, you know, get with the times. And I think that he thought that stepping away from the team or challenging the team because of that sentiment would mean public opinion would be on his side. And it wasn't. And I I don't exactly know why. All I know is that his pushing back against the team corresponded with his struggling in play too. Yeah, and here's the thing about Russell in that situation too is that when things start to happen, when things aren't going according to planned, right – then you start, maybe those voices are louder in the media. Maybe you start to believe mm-hmm. some of this side. Maybe you start to think, okay, maybe I can fix this. Maybe the game has passed them along. Yeah. I think these are all natural human reactions as you start to wonder what it is and can I be the guy to save it? And that's what you want out of a, a leader of your team. You want him to feel like he is the guy to save this. But I think at some point you got to realize that you need these guys. Yes. And a lot of great teams go through these rough periods to where they're being questioned. What, what, head coach in the NFL right now has never been questioned, None. never been doubted. None. It happens all the time. There are the, the few that hang around. Tom has been there forever. Belichick's been there forever. Andy Reid has had two stops in 20 years. Other than that, everyone's always being questioned. If you're not winning 13, 14 games, if you're not making a run into the, to the Super Bowl, you're going to be questioned. The strong foundations find a way to stick together. Now, eventually, guys are going to go their own ways. You got different opinions or whatnot, and the proof is going to be in the performance. Right now, if you're looking at Russell Wilson yep. and you're looking at John Schneider, you're looking at Russell Wilson like, you messed this up. These guys handled this thing beautifully. Also, let me point out, Pete has never come out and said anything bad about Russell. No. Schneider's never come out and said anything bad about Russell. Russell will never directly do that, but we know that he speaks through other people. Other side, John Schneider, John Schneider and Pete are sitting back and saying, look, 
we handled this with pure class, and I applaud them for that. I do too, and I think the I think always back to. Um, do you remember when there was that uh, photo? There was some video of it too of Russell Wilson sitting next to Roger Goodell and Sierra at the Super Bowl when Kansas City was taking on Tampa Bay, yep. and he's like just looking mean yeah. and mad and frustrated, and people were like, "Oh, you know, in that moment, he's thinking like we could be here. I'm talented enough to be here." And yeah, he's looking at uh, you know Tampa Bay having all this talent, and he's looking at Kansas City losing that game and immediately investing in the offensive mm-hmm. line. But I wonder if, and he's not wrong with how important that was. It eventually got Kansas City a championship. What also got Kansas City a championship? Patrick Mahomes. Yep. Right? Or on the other side, who won a championship in that one? Tom Brady. And was Russell Wilson looking at himself saying, okay, hang on. Am I Patrick Mahomes? I Am I Tom Brady? Yeah. Like, I think that he really did think that. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with not being as good as those guys. You also need to be honest about the pieces that you need around you to succeed. You know when I became my best self as a football player? When I realized who I was. I wanted to be outside receiver, run by you, Mr. Up Top. Sure. I got out there, I go, ah, I'm not fast enough to run by all these guys. <laughs> oh, they're a bit bigger than me out here. Let, it didn't let, take you let many, me, many years. Let me slide back in the slot real quick and do my thing and get jiggy with all these moves I got. And... and that might have just happened to Russell Wilson. And I, that's what I'm so curious to see. How are you going to bounce back, yeah. Russell? You got your coach. Uh, your power's been relinquished just a little bit. You got weapons over there. This is going to be telling of who Russell really is this coming up year. A thousand percent. Uh, we're going to get back to this conversation much later in the show. At 1 p.m., Kaylin Kaler, who was one of the three authors of this bombshell report, is going to join us to talk about kind of what she learned behind the scenes and and maybe what she takes from this article uh, in this report as a whole, right? What is she leaving with? Uh, which I can't wait to get to that conversation because I think it's a bigger one. It's not just about Russ. It's about the NFL and power battles and lots of good stuff. Uh, you are listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, you guys, take Julio off the table for this next question. Who's the most important Mariner if this team is going to make another postseason run? That's next. Bump and Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Hey, you can listen to us anytime and check back on the rest of the show if you miss it by subscribing to the Bump and Stacy podcast. You can find it wherever you get your pods. It's not just on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, wherever. Rate, review, subscribe if you wouldn't mind. We'd really, really appreciate it. You are listening to Bump and Stacy live right now on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Uh, we're going to talk with Larry Stone, columnist for the Seattle Times. He is on his way to the Mariners uh, Cactus League game, this one on the road against the White Sox. As a heads up for you guys, this one will be tape delayed. We've got the game live on Friday. Uh, Every other day this week is going to be tape delayed. You can hear it after Wyman and Bob. We'll have some updates though if there are any major injuries or any news bits that you guys need to hear. Larry will be joining us on his way to that game coming up in 15 minutes. Before we get to it, Bump! My question for you, for me, for listeners, take Julio off the table for this one. Who becomes the most important Mariner if this team is going to make another postseason run? I've got like two possible answers, but what are yours? Man, this is such a hard question because obviously you need Julio. You need Jared Kelnick to do his thing. You need I could name four or five guys right now to say if they don't do what they did last year or yeah. improve on it, then this team has really no chance of doing it. And what makes that not frustrating but interesting is because you had a chance to go get some guys to to solidify and say, okay, we have stars. This team should be good to mm-hmm. go. And you didn't do that. You went a different route. You got Colton Wong, who looks good so far. You got AJ. You got Tasker Hernandez. Glad they're on the team. I look at one guy and I go, you know what? 
the Mariners made a lot of offseason decisions because of you at that position. And I look at JP and I mm. go, JP, they pass on Trey Turner. They pass on a bunch of these guys because they were committed to you and believe that one, you're going to come back stronger. You're going to be able to play more games, be healthy. Your glove is going to be okay. And you're going to be able to get on base. Worst case is get on base. You know, JP's not going to hit 15, 20 homers, give him five, six of those things, yeah. possibly. You get on base, you be good defensively, and you continue to be the leader. Now, that's where I'm going. You can go six oh, six other well, spots at this let's point. Let's do it. We have time. If you guys want to join this conversation, 866-979-3776. Two things. One, worst case, get on base is going to be my motto for the year for any player. Hey, worst case, just get on base. Just get on, man. Just get on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, and secondly, why I love this uh, question is not only does it allow us to kind of explore some of the most important pieces of this roster and and talk about you know who can contribute most, but it allows us to figure out where this team is strong, where they can't afford to lose, and what really matters when you make a postseason run. That last point is why I think I look at someone like Luis Castillo. Now, mm-hmm. losing Luis Castillo, would it be as costly as losing a big hitter since you have so much pitching depth? Probably not, but when you look at like what makes for a great postseason run in an elite postseason team and what is a World Series winning team going to have, it's great pitching. Right. Like, without fail, you've got to have great pitching. The Mariners have it in spades. That doesn't mean that I'm not looking at those guys as the most important pieces outside of Julio, right? Like, mm-hmm. can you afford to lose Dylan Moore? Sure, I hope it doesn't happen. Can you afford to lose Ty France? I guess. I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, we'll find out. Can you afford to lose a couple of your starters? No. Nah. No. Not at all. No, that's that's great. I mean, Castillo, Robbie Ray, uh, Logan, you need those guys to be one of the best staffs in the game like they were last year. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, you can go. I can go to Cal. Like, Cal, can you be one of the best catchers in the game yeah. again? You look at um, Gino. Gino defensively, he was way better than anyone expected him to be. Can you duplicate that? Uh, I can go to Colton Wong. Colton Wong's been a pretty good second baseman in this league. You were one of the, air quotes, marquee names <laughs> that the Mariners picked up. There's a lot of pressure on these guys. The one thing that, you know, and I'm going to throw Julio out there. I know that's the easy one. But if your 100-plus million-dollar man does yeah. not play like that, that puts even more pressure on these guys who you still need to take a couple steps. Julio started his career off, and he didn't take a couple steps. He's he's broad jumping past dudes, just explosive. <laughs> he was sprinting. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Out like, the gate. Julio's on a different level. Obviously, you need him to lead this charge. But also, I think that's what makes this team interesting, interesting, and that's why we are so invested in this Cactus League because there's some things we got to yeah. see. Yep. Uh, we are going to see Teoscar maybe again today. It doesn't sound like that back soreness he was dealing with is a huge issue. Uh, also, Cal is not expected to play today, but will be in the lineup tomorrow. I think they're still rolling out and giving Murphy plenty of time to get adjusted. But Cal will be on the mound tomorrow catching for Luis Castillo. Just a heads up for you guys. Uh, Carter from Tacoma Bump has a really good point. I think two names that we're going to hear most common, at least when it comes to guys in the lineup. Teoscar Hernandez, Cal Raleigh. You mentioned both of those guys, but let's stick on them for just a minute here because I think that if you look at, you know, two of the biggest guys as far as bats go, um, obviously Cal, Gino, you need to make sure that they don't regress, right? Just Mm -hmm. be as good as you were or around as good as you were and you feel pretty good about this team. But to that move this offseason, because here I am thinking, oh, you can't lose him when I haven't spent nearly enough time talking about that acquisition. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
like, yeah. I'm realizing if I'm having him in my name of like, can't lose list, then uh-huh. it's like, I really didn't talk about him enough. We have it. And why is he here? For power. Right. That's what you listen to service and Depoto talk about the lineup that they want. They want power. They just want the ball hit hard. They done all the data and have all these analytics and say, look, if you just hit the ball hard, it's going to get in play eventually. And that's why Teoscar is here, man. And he loves T-Mobile Park. I don't know if he's just saying that or because he's here or he I'm really gonna means it. I'm going to choose to believe it. I'm going to choose to believe it as well. <laughs> but you need more power in this lineup. He brings you exactly that. And then it's the intangibles. It's the, in the dugout, in the locker room, um, the relationships or whatnot. So, yeah, we have not spent a lot of time talking about Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, but he is vital to this team having success this year. All right, sticking with Mariners here, the latest from spring training with Larry Stone of the Seattle Times. He joins us next on his way to the Mariners' next Cactus League game. Don't go anywhere.